Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. Thank you very much for listening. I am Scott Gardner and it is my pleasure to have with me today for his first appearance on this program, Mr. Ken Morgan, known as Logan McLeod on the comicforums.com and host of the Too Old to Grow Up podcast, which you may find at www.tooldtogrowup.com and co-host of the Legion of Dudes podcast, which you may find at legionofdudes.com. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks, Scott. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How about you? Doing very well. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad that you joined me for this. I've been wanting to have you on here for a while because, uh, you know, as as much as I've listened to your show, I still haven't quite nailed down yet exactly your your taste in comics and stuff. So I'm really okay. curious what you'll have brought to. I think the- I think all we've talked about is something that has to do with uh, a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> exactly. So you know, yeah, we haven't really talked comics at all. No, no, I'm I'm really curious what you brought, but I'm going to go first tonight. So let me go ahead and dig into mine. And this one. I'm hoping everybody likes it, but it, this is a little bit of a departure from our normal back to the bins format. If if this show can really be said to have much of a format, because <laughs> I know precious little about the actual issue that I'm going to to have to talk about. I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about the history of the title. Anyway, this is um, presumably from January. I know the year. It's from 1977, presumably January, and I'll tell you in a moment why I presume it's January. This is Adventures of the Big Boy, number 237. That's about it <laughs> that I can tell you. There, There is no indicia in this issue. There is no credits whatsoever that I could find. No no artist, no writer, no nothing. Is there a number of any type on it? There, or is, there, there like... is a number, number 237, and I looked it up on Comic... What is it? Comic Book DB? That's where I am, and it's not there. Yeah, there's no, there's hardly any issues in there, really. And I, I, I will admit that I was a little lazy, and I didn't go anywhere else other than that. So there may be somewhere, uh, some sort of database that would give more information, but... Really, I actually wanted to talk more about the title anyway than the specific issue. I did read the issue. I really enjoyed it. But here's the deal with with this title, and this is why I'm excited to to get this. Let me go back a little bit to uh, to this past Thanksgiving, and you know, we in my family, what we do is we get together at my in laws' house because you know my my wife is really close with her folks and everything, and and they're just they're the set of parents that live closest, so that's where we go for most of the holidays. So anyway, we go over there, and my wife's youngest sister. She's got herself a new bow, and I think he's trying to kind of ingratiate himself to everybody in the family, you know. So we go over there. He's got a big old stack of comics for me when I get over there. He's like, yeah, you know, I was going through my place. I think he just moved recently, and he's like, I was going through my place, and I found this stack of comics. And he goes, you know, they're really beat up and all, but you know, I hear that you're into comics, and you know, if you want them, you're welcome to them. So I'm going through, and... You know, I was really gracious. You know, I was really uh, glad, rather, to get them. You know, it was very gracious of him to just give them to me like that. But I'm going through, and there's not really anything spectacular in there, and they're pretty whipped. But it was stuff like, like Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam and stuff like that. You know, nothing I was terribly excited about. Most of them were coverless. But then I chanced across this one, and I just got so excited about it. I can't remember where, but I was just talking to somebody about this not long ago about big boy comics and the fact that. You know, I hadn't actually had one since I was a kid, and I wondered if they even made them anymore. Now, the deal with Big Boy Comics was, you know, back in, uh, I think it was 1936, 
there was this guy um, that became well, I don't know if you'd call him a restaurateur at the time, but his name was Bob Wine, and he created this. He had this little like lunch stand kind of thing, mm-hmm. and he invented a hamburger that he called the Big Boy. And it was it was made a special way or whatever to look like a great big hamburger, and he just he called it the Big Boy Hamburger. And one day, this guy was eating there who was somewhat of a famous animator. His name was uh, Benny Washam, and while he was eating lunch at this stand. He was doodling on, I don't know, a napkin or placemats or something. And this Wyan guy that ran the place saw, you know, that he was doing this this drawing and all. And he asked him to draw a caricature of this kid that worked for him there in, in the, in the uh, restaurant or lunch stand, whatever this was. And Washam did it. You know, he went ahead and he, he drew the picture and everything. And he gave it to Wyan you know for him to use as like a mascot type of thing and according to legend he traded him the sketch for a free meal and thus an advertising icon was born the big boy seriously and wyan took this this image and you know created an empire out of it basically and you know Wyan was you know he was really smart and he you know, he had this idea that you know it's not the moms and dads that decide where the family eats when they go out it's the kids mm-hmm. so he you know and in front of all of his restaurants he would put these great big huge statues of big boy holding up you know the burger and everything out front right. to attract kids and another thing he did in the, his restaurants was he actually um I don't know if it was a contract deal or what, but he actually had Timely, who would eventually become Marvel, create an in-house comic book for him that he would actually sell or give away to patrons of his of his restaurants. And that's how the Adventures of Big Boy comics came to be. And it was... I'm not sure if it's still going. A, a website I was looking at that was uh, had a big article on this from January of last year, according to that article, they're still going, but I haven't actually been into a uh, big boy restaurant and God, I don't even know how long. So I, yeah, I we had one locally, but it closed yeah. decades ago at this point. Yeah. So I, I, I had thought that the chain was out of business by this point, but I could be wrong. I thought they got bought out by Shoney's and then Shoney's may have actually either closed them down or incorporated them into, you know, the Maybe. Shoney's chain or whatever. So that part I'm not too clear on. But whether it's still being published or not, it was one of the longest-running comics of all time just you know, because it continually published for, like, f- over 50 years. And that's, you know, that's a pretty big deal, you know, in comic books. And here it was basically a promo giveaway. And I've just got a real soft spot for promo comics. I don't know what it is. Most of them are, you know, eh at best. But I just I love giveaway stuff and especially mm-hmm. like giveaway comics. They're just such an oddball niche in comics. But I had never owned a big boy, you know, when I when I got serious about collecting comics and I'd always wanted one. So I finally got one and I just got a kick out of it. It's 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 just it's what I would describe as just sweet kitty comics, you know? It's it's very innocent. It's just silly little adventures for kids. The the art style is really enjoyable but very simple. And I guess the closest thing that I could think of to, to this modern day would be like if you ever go to Burger King, Burger King has an in-house, it's not really a comic, 
but it's it's like a newsletter type of thing. I, th- I think it's called like BK Kids or something like that. And I remember every once in a while when when the toy giveaway is something like uh, a while back they were giving away toys from Batman Beyond. This was several years ago. And in that Burger King little pamphlet thing, there was a strip in there for uh, Batman Beyond. You know, it's like a three or four panel comic strip. So, you know, that that's kind of, that'll kind of give you an idea of, of the sort of thing that this is. But this is more, this really is more like a standard comic book. But what's really neat is, you know, there's several stories in here. And then it has, uh, like, like, informative things. There's a whole page in here that is showcasing the state of Arizona. Because Big Boy had restaurants you know in several different locations in in the state of arizona so there's like a whole history section you know how the state was founded and you know how it was originally settled and stuff and the indians that live there and then it jumps to the present and is telling all about the state you know presently and the population and and stuff like that and the people of the state um there was another article another page of articles um that was let me see if i can find it here real quick great americans number nine of a series for the month and uh, one of the articles was on a guy carl sandberg who i'd never heard of and then the other one was on martin luther king jr and you know they're pretty lengthy in-depth biographies of these people and i just thought you know this was really cool it wasn't just simply simple stories there was actually some education involved there was even you know there's a coke ad right in the middle of the thing and and then you know of course at the very end it has you know the list of you know all of the different big boy restaurants you know within uh i'm presuming this is the continental u.s so i just i got a real kick out of it i'm just really glad to finally own one of these things just for the novelty of it i I like weird and unusual comics to kind of pepper my collection so that it's not all just superheroes you know what i mean yeah so i got a kick out of it i thought it was a lot of fun cool and uh from what i was able to find out and i'm hoping somebody will correct me if i'm wrong on this maybe somebody else knows a little bit more about this but from what i what all i was able to read and find out about this that poor guy uh benny washam the animator never saw a dime for his creation that wyan turned into an empire i'm sure he had a fine hamburger though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hope it was a damn good hamburger for all that i mean you know wine actually created like a like a multi-million dollar business of restaurant chains you know out of this one image it's just crazy you know i, I love stories like that but i always feel bad for the guy you know like the guy who sold coke for you know 10 bucks or whatever you know or, or like uh Siegel and Schuster sold Superman for you know what, a couple hundred bucks or something. You know th- those guys. Those well, you got to watch for these. It's it's these these work for hire jobs <laughs> that you have really got to pay attention to the fine details. Creator own is much much better for things like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, remember George Lucas. Hold on to the licensing rights. Yep, there you go. There you go. Eat Star Wars again. <laughs> it all comes back to Star Wars. <laughs> Well, that's all I got for this one. Uh, I'm really, really curious what you brought. Well, I decided to go older. Um, I'm looking through what I have, and this is, I think, the oldest comic that I own. I actually bought it just about a few months ago um, at a convention because when I when I go through a convention, I, I I 
don't have lists or, or wants or you know I have don't have holes to fill. I don't collect or buy comics that way. I'll go through quarter bins or whatever, and I'll just look through some books. And if a cover catches my eye, uh, I'll grab it. Or if the title something good, you know crazy catches my eye, you know I came across this is not the one I'm talking about today, but I came across once um, an issue from Logan's Run from back back in the day, whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's, why not Logan's Run? Let me grab that one. Well, this one I got today. This is from April 1966. It is an issue of Action Comics number 336. And it caught my eye because we have a picture on the cover of Supergirl riding Comet the Super Horse. Um, and Comet is basically headbutting Superman out of the way, denying entry into his own Fortress of Solitude. And Supergirl is yelling at him, Can't you read signs, Superman? But him, Super Horse. From now on, this for- his fortress belongs to us. And it says simply right above the, the door with the big keyhole, this fortress off limits to Superman. Of course, Superman will have none of this. No girl and a horse can kick me out of my own fortress, even if they are super. I'll have to crash my way in. So immediately I'm like, you know what? I got to get that. So um, I think I got a pretty good deal. Cover, 1966, cover price of 12 cents. I found it in a quarter bin. I think that's a good deal. Yeah, no, that is, that's a fantastic deal because, uh, now, I mean, is it complete and everything? Yeah. Well, okay, because yeah, I, I have uh, this in my database, but just looking at the cover scan, I'm pretty sure my copy must be coverless because I, I, I make much better scans when I scan them. <laughs> so I think this cover image is actually taken from like a CBR or something. But uh, Maybe. Yeah, I have this one, but for the life of me, can't remember this story. So it's probably something I read as a kid or something. Yeah, well, there actually are two stories on here. So people are making a big deal about the whole backup or second second features, whatever they're calling them. You know what? 1966, we've got two complete stories in here, so it's <laughs> nothing new. But So when I started reading this, and this is why I really grabbed this one for fun, um, the first story in here is actually not the one featured on the cover. It's the man from the, from the Phantom Zone. And apparently... Um, on Krypton, when you're sentenced to the Phantom Zone, assuming it's not a life sentence, uh, you must be released and you go back to your, your back to your life. So Superman is thinking, you know, this 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 criminal Akvar, his sentence runs out today. My 30 year sentence is up, oh. Superman. You must release me from the Phantom Zone. So Superman goes to his bank of f- very Earth-like filing cabinets where he has index cards on all the prisoners in the Phantom Zone. I, I don't know if they were shipped from Krypton that way or if he transcribed them himself. <laughs> um, so as he flies to the fortress and he finds his giant key, he pulls out Akvar's code, or his, excuse me, his card from his filing cabinets. It's, I, I still have a thousand in filing cabinets. still makes me laugh. <laughs> He's like, I was right. Today is a sentence of Akvar. A Phantom Zone prisoner expires. And it goes to tell us the story of Akvar. He stole a sunstone crystal trying to... Um, you know, use its abilities to, to do whatever nefarious scheme he had. He was captured and was sentenced to 30 years in the Phantom Zone. And uh, they show him his sentence being carried out where there's an, uh, a, a person complete with an executioner's mask, even though they don't have a death penalty, putting him into the Phantom Zone. And in the Phantom Zone, he meets um, all of the, uh, the, the, the infamous criminals of, of, of Krypton. Jaxer, General Zah, Cruel, developed, who developed an arsenal of forbidden weapons. So he's like, I, and I can pick their thoughts telepathically. So he's, he's like all set. I'm ready to be a great criminal here. So, of course, Superman, being you know all about truth and justice, it's 30 years. His sentence is up. I have to release him. 
So he lets him out. He's like, but I have to let him out without letting the other criminals out because they're all right behind Akbar. He lets him out. And he's like, okay, I, I can have, be like Superman now. He's like, oh no, the Kryptonian law says that you must be returned to your home city. Of course, his home city just happens to be... Kandor. Very good. So that's where he's, where he's going to go. And it's right here on my desk. So we're going to go to Kandor. So like, oh please, I understand. I will give you like sacred Kryptonian vow that I'll return, but give me 20 minutes to see Earth. That seems very random, 20 minutes, but what the heck. And, of course, Superman says, you're going to take the sacred Kryptonian vow, which you only take once in a lifetime? Yes, I believe you. So he goes and comes back, and they go into Kandor. They put on their parachutes, so as they shrink down and they fall into the bottle city, they won't crash and hurt themselves or die because, of course, they have no power. So they have parachutes to float to the boss safely to the bottom of, of Kandor. <laughs> yes, all things just completely... I just love this stuff. <laughs> and we go down, and, and no one wants to talk to him. Of course, these citizens remember him being a criminal, and they want nothing to do with him. So he does come across three people who are welcoming him here, and he shakes each of their hands. Um, and they do remember... Oh, they say, at the trial, you didn't reveal that we were your accomplices in stealing the Sunstone. So these are his, his cronies, if you will. Um... So he's learning all about um, about what his life on, was like on Kandor. He meets this person who's very much a, a lookalike of Superman, but his name is Van Z. He's a scientist, and he meets his niece, who he seems a little taken with. So as he's learning, he's he's getting to know Kandor again. There are suddenly these crimes being uh, committed all throughout Kandor. Uh, there's 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 a scene of one of these guys, the same guys that. Um, that Akbar just met is lifting up a basically a building as someone else as another one tries to steal a sunstone he's apparently invulnerable as he's being shot by the, these rays from the guards meanwhile another, another one is flying uh, stealing even more stuff of course they all think uh, Akbar is responsible for this as well he somehow gave his crony superpowers a secret he must have learned from the phantom zone so they send out the, uh, the telepathic hounds to find him and he does everything he can to kind of, you know, not think about where he's going to to use his telepathic ability he learned in the Phantom Zone to try to, you know, get keep the, the telepathic hounds off his trail. But eventually that does fail. Of course it does. They do catch up and they do find him. <laughs> um, they show there's blood. He, they, he, they, they, he hits, hit punches a stone to show that he's really him and there's blood on there. He's like, oh, you're, you're not invulnerable. You don't have powers. It must not be you. But then they look closer and they see that it's it's red dye. But Superman's still in town, and so he's watching everything's going on. And he sees that the rock was moved so quickly that you know it must be something with powers because there is a, another part of the, the rock that has blood. So he realizes that that Akbar's being framed. So the bad guys with powers, you know, take Superman and they they knocked him out. They take Superman to this trial when they put Superman and Akbar on trial because of course you know Superman must be involved because he brought him here and they're ready to, to put him to the Phantom Zone forever so meanwhile someone else uh, is watching this and he realizes that something's going on so they have these 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 fake mannequins effigies they call them almost like life model decoys if you want to mix Marvel in here for a minute <laughs> And he swaps their clothes and basically sets up these uh, effigies 
and they're the ones that get sent to the Phantom Zone instead. instead. And Superman uh, breaks free and is able to prove that Akvar was was innocent all along. Turns out what, what Akvar had done was, on his little 20-minute tour of the Earth, he was looking for something that he could use against Superman so he could stay. And he found a fragment of red kryptonite. Of course, we all know red kryptonite has unpredictable effects on people. Right. This particular fragment, though, had already been used on Superman, so it had no longer had any effect on him. But what it did to Akvar was allowed him to transmit one superpower at a time to whoever he touched. So when he shook the hands of his cronies, each one of them got one power, flying, invulnerability, or speed. Which, why they still worked in Kandor, I don't know, but they did. It wouldn't be a good story if they didn't. And uh, they eventually, uh, you know, of course, eventually it wears off. 24 hours later, it wears off. The Red K effect is worn off. There's non-supervillains. The now non-supervillains are in jail. Akbar is staying is staying in Kandor, ready to help and uh, truly turn over a new leaf. But he did this on purpose. Well, he got the red kryptonite on purpose to use against Superman. Of course, it didn't work. So he's like, all right, let's go to Kandor. He did not, on purpose, give the powers to his cronies, ah, and in okay. the end, he helped say he helped stop them. But it, he was so he was not part of the of the plot. But they were his cronies from back in the day, uh, the good old days of Krypton. Hmm. So yes, and um, just some of the things about the story just made me laugh. It was like the filing cabinets. <laughs> Wait, just happened to have all the Kryptonian records. No explanation. It's just there. Well, this actually see when you when you gave that number three thirty six, I, I just looked up the cover image, but it was nagging the the back of my mind. I kept thinking that number sounds important, but I couldn't think of what it was. But then when you said Akvar, that's when it hit me. I mean, you know who he is, right? I actually don't know. Now, the guy that he met in this issue that lives in Candor, Van Z, the guy Van who Z, right. looks like Superman. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure how far it is into the future of this, but eventually there was a a Kryptonian, I don't know if it was a legend or or what, but Superman and Jimmy Olsen, for a time, when they went into Kandor, and of course Superman became a regular dude when he would go to Kandor. He was just just an average citizen. That's why they needed the parachutes. Right. So he and Jimmy occasionally would go into Kandor. Eventually, somehow or other, I forget how it happened, but eventually Superman and Jimmy adopted masked disguises and they became the Batman and Robin of Kandor. They became Nightwing Nightwing and Flamebird. Sure. Well, eventually, and again, I I can't remember why it happened, but eventually, I I guess just because Jimmy and, and, and Superman didn't live in Kandor, so they weren't around all the time when Nightwing and Flamebird may be needed, eventually Van Z became Nightwing mm-hmm. and Akvar became Flamebird. There you go. And they became like best friends. And uh, I want to say that I think it was... Van Z's niece, I think, became mm-hmm. Akvar's wife. Well, that's that's something this is where like every, this is where everybody met because he yeah. was very taken by the niece, and they're hanging out together, and and uh, Van Z is going to to watch over, them and he's going to become um, 
you know, Akbar is going to work with Van Z. Yeah, this is where they all met. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very important issue. If uh, see, I was just uh, the only reason I remember this, you know, as clearly as I do, and obviously I don't remember it that clearly, but not long ago, I was going back and re-examining the Nightwing and Flamebird stories that were in Superman Family when I was a kid back on Two True Freaks. This was a couple months ago. And this just reminded me, I need to go back and finish that because I just kind of petered out on it and I I never did finish my reviews. But uh, I love that stuff. It's all like this. It's very silly. It's very Silver Agey. It's very Mm kind of, I hate to say dumbed down, but it is kind of dumbed down because it was intended for kids. So it's not terribly deep. The the leaps in logic are very, you know, and all that. But it's just so much fun. You know, it's really just classic fun comics that if you don't think too hard about it and just get into the spirit of the thing, I, I think they're a hell of a lot of fun. But I love both those characters. Nightwing and Flamebird, to me, was just... It was the best of both worlds. You had this very futuristic, you know, Tomorrowland society of Krypton that was in a bottle. And then you also got Batman and Robin, but it was like a futuristic version of mm-hmm. Batman. And it was just... There's something very cool about that, at, at least to me as a kid. I, I really identified with it because it was it was Batman and Robin in a, in a, in a science fiction setting you know but, right. with, but it wasn't which is odd really when I think about it that I like that because when Batman and Robin were in a science fiction setting like in the 50s when they were fighting aliens and I hated that stuff you know what I've read of it you know I'm not, I'm not that old right, <laughs> so right. I've read it originally <laughs> but you know what I mean but uh yeah that oh, that's that's a great issue to uh, to have dug out now did you read the uh, the other story with uh, I did <laughs> I did. The other story is why I bought it because of the cover, but I actually did read the other one. Let me ask you a question real quick. I know I know you're not crazy about the current stuff going on in, in DC, and that's cool. But if you've read any of the um like the new Krypton, like when they first brought Candor to Earth or any of that stuff, uh-huh. did they had, was was Van Z and Akbar part of that at all? Had they been appeared in any of this? Do there, you know? There is a um a Nightwing and Flamebird now. Mm-hmm. And see this is I'm gonna I, I wish I was more authoritative about it. I know there is a female character who is an, uh, something Akvar, and I don't know what her relationship is to the male Akvar. Okay. I don't know if it's his daughter or niece or mm-hmm. cousin. I read, or, I read the first couple issues of that arc and slowly lost interest in it, especially considering how long it was going to be, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't need to read any more of this. Right. Um, but I didn't know these characters enough to be able to think to look for them at all, so I, I mean, maybe I'll go back with what I have and just see um, Van Z, I don't remember seeing, but, uh, you know, that's not to say he's not there, I just don't remember him. I know that Nightwing is Chris Kent. Yeah. And Flame Bird, I want her, I want to say that Flame Bird, you know, she's a female this time around, mm-hmm. but I want to say her last name is Akvar. I just can't remember her first name. It's something Akvar. Okay. But I don't know if that's intended as an homage back to this original Silver Agey stuff, or if if somehow she is, you know, like for example, Supergirl's name is Kara Zor-El. Right. Now Zor-El is her father. Right. So is this Akvar girl, is her father Akvar? I, I just don't know. Could be. Yeah, I, I, I didn't stick with it long enough to find right, out, right. to be honest with you. All right, so I go. we go to the second one, which is a Supergirl story. And um, it kind of leads off with a, with a panel, which is more 
for lack of a better word, a cover to the specific storyline, with Bizarro crowning a very ugly Supergirl as Miss Ms. M-I-Z-Z Bizarro. Uh, and she's, you know, thinking to herself, lamenting, sob, only the Bizarros can bear to look at my horrible, twisted face. And it really just looks like she made her face and somebody smacked her on the back of her head and just got stuck that way. <laughs> it's not really all that bad. But it turns out that, that, that Supergirl Kara was, uh, was a contestant in the Miss Cosmos beauty pageant. And she won and she put the crown on her. And that night in her quarter, she's taken by these uh, women with bandages all over their faces. And they're trying to put her into this, this container, you know, this this cask, not casket, but this chamber of some type. And the one takes off her bandages, and she sees she's horribly disfigured. And it turns out that this this chamber is going to, in turn, make her ugly because apparently the leader or the the judge of this beauty pageant, so to speak, himself has been disfigured, and he wants everyone to look like him because you know if he can't be happy or if he can't be beautiful, nobody can be. So. She escapes from that and flies back to Earth. Um, but when she gets home and looks in the mirror, she finds that the the anti-beauty gas worked after all, and she is now ugly, and she is completely horrified by this. So she flies to the Fortress of Solitude to find help. Superman, again, takes his giant key to open the door, and they go in, and he sends her into this chamber that he has so he can expose her to red kryptonite thinking that maybe it can give an effect that will change her back. Um, so he stands beside his lead line shield, exposes her to different uh, forms of red kryptonite. Suddenly there's, there's, she's doubled, but now there's two with ugly faces. And in the very next panel, it says Supergirl stays at the fortress 24 hours until the effect wears off. And I laughed when I saw this because this was from one panel to the next, boom, 24 hours are gone. <laughs> Today, that's a whole other issue. This would be a three-issue arc. Yep. Just because another issue would be just those 24 hours. <laughs> and, you know, so she's like, well, I can't stay like this. I have to go help people or do what I need to do. So she, they just happen to have masks of both Superman and Supergirl. So she takes her mask and puts it on over her face. She goes to help people. Um, she goes to a hospital where uh, Lois works as a part-time volunteer nurse because, you know, good for Lois. She's very busy. And they're doing some plastic surgery, but the machine's not working. So she's like, well, I'll just hold the broken wire and let, and I'll close the circuit for you. So she does that. Um, you know, she's she's still, like, in the back of her mind, nobody, nobody can know I'm ugly. You know, this mask can only do so much. She goes home and changes back to Linda Davin, uh, Dan Danvers. Um, but again, she's, she's still ugly. She can't do anything about that. A rocket lands outside her window and inside there is her Miss Cosmos crown with a note from the, uh, from the prince who, who ran this whole thing. And he's like, oh, with fraud, he must have escaped from prison to send me this letter. I will not wear this crown. I will not wear this anti, this, this, this beauty queen crown. So she just tosses it aside. There's a, there's a, uh, something happening in outer space. So she flies out to, uh, to see what it is, but the mask melts melts it with the friction of the atmosphere, and she's completely uh, exposed. Now she can't do anything about it, but she sees what's happening is there's a square, a cube-shaped planet heading towards Earth. Of course, that is Bizarro World. You know, so she's like, "Well, I'm, I, I, it's going to crash into the planet. What can I do?" So, well, she goes back to Earth and picks up a mountain and drops it onto the Bizarro world because that will change its trajectory and it'll miss the Earth. 
She um, takes so, an Earth mountain and throws it at Bizarro World. Yeah. So now we're missing a mountain. That's that's what I'm guessing from this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. Now dump it on one corner of the square world. This will create a Bizarro quake, but it can't be helped. Um. So she goes and she tries to help the Bizarros as this Earth, this Bizarro quake is happening. And Bizarro is. Uh, Dancing because he's so thrilled by the damage that's being caused to his world. <laughs> um, they see Supergirl, of course. She's 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 look at her. She's got face nice and ugly like us. She she's one of us, and she's like, oh no, I can't be like one of them. So to honor Supergirl, the Bizarro is going to make a duplicate of her. Well, the duplicate ray of Bizarro worlds will make a, an imperfect duplicate. So what it does, it makes a perfect duplicate of this ugly supergirl <laughs> but it has the mind of a bizarro so she thinks she's ugly she so the the the, the bizarro supergirl with a with a, a beautiful face thinks she's ugly she's the one who says who escapes she goes back to earth she puts the big sign up over the fortress that's the fortress is off limits she's the one who recruits comet to take out superman and in something you don't see anymore is a panel which is just the same thing as the cover from before our cover, and it's, it's Supergirl riding Comet, but it, we now know that's a Bizarro Supergirl. But does she talk like a Bizarro? Oh, yeah. Oh, see, she's not talking like a Bizarro on the on the cover, though. No, she's not, but that would be a giveaway. We can't have that. <sighs> um, Actually, no, she is talking pretty normal, but then again, she's a perfect... I don't know. No, can't you read signs, Superman? Keep away, but him, Superhorse. We're taking over his fortress. Um... You can go now, Superhorse. I yeah, no, she's talking pretty normally, actually. Yeah. Um. So so she's like you know. Um. So now Bizarro Girl thinks she did a good deed. She she leaves. And uh, heads back to Bizarro World. Supergirl's heading back to Earth. Our Supergirl's heading back to Earth. They pass each other. Have no idea. Um. Linda Davners. Danvers. She's back as Linda Dan- Danvers. She's home. She's still lamenting the fact that she's she's ugly. Um, someone, Dick, soon Dick calls, I don't know who <laughs> Dick's name is, like, go away, Dick, I told you I never want to date you again because, well, and she's thinking, I'm because I'm ugly, so let me get one more picture wearing your Miss Universe crown as a memento, she's like, okay, she puts the mask on, puts the crown on, and takes a picture, and she's, you know, kisses him goodbye forever, and as she takes her mask off, she finds... I'm beautiful again. What happened? And she finds the note and reads it. It turns out that he's re- he's the the prince has repented. He put um uh he treated the the crown in some way so that if she, when she wore it, it would return her her beauty to her. Had she just put it on before, all this would be fine. So now she is our normal beautiful supergirl again. Now does she actually think that to herself? I, I'm beautiful again. Um, she says something. Let me find it here. Uh, oh, she decides she's going to tell Dick what's going on. She's like, wait, it felt like I I, I kissed something cold and left. It's like a mask. Oh, why hide the truth? So she takes it off, and it's like, why, Linda, you're lovelier than ever. And he's like, what? Has he flipped? My face is restored. Wait, by mistake, I put on the wrong crown. Even Dick didn't notice. Oh, she didn't even realize to put on the Miss Cosmos crown. Now, she's um, still Linda at, at this point? She's Linda Danvers at this point. So, and Now, Dick has never seen her anything but either with the mask on. He's never seen her as ugly. Is, uh, he, is he not wondering why she's got a, a beauty queen crown? 
I guess she did have Miss Universe, the Miss Universe pageant crown already. I guess that's how she got there already. And that's what he wanted her to take a picture of with. And he doesn't wonder where she got this from. No. <laughs> he must no, be a- no, no, it says her somewhere. Um, I get it, Linda. I should have known you go hi-hat on me after you won that beauty contest. So I guess she was in a beauty contest on Earth. Ah, okay. So that's what he's taking. Well, he wants to take a picture of her wearing the crown from that beauty contest. Ah, and she okay. Puts on, she puts on Miss Cosmos. In fact, yes, you see in the background both crowns. There's Miss Cosmos and there's Miss Universe. Oh, so she just got him confused. Okay, she, I got by you. mistake puts on Miss Cosmos. Which in turn, you know, like I said, you know, puts it on there. No, she does not say I'm beautiful again. Um, when the hell did Super Girls start going to beauty contests? I don't, I don't remember know. this ever happening in the or since. The last panel, she does think to herself, somewhere out there, an ugly man gave me happiness which he can never know himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think usually it's kind of the other way around, but yeah, that's yeah, a absolutely. whole other podcast. I, did, I didn't give any credits, but this was written by Ed Hamilton. The uh, Kurt Swan was the penciler and the cover. Um, George Klein was the inker on here, so it was it was it was fun. I I enjoyed reading it. Um, just have these silly. Seemingly, you know, just one and done stories that, in the case of the first one, at least gave us um, the seeds for some great stories afterwards, like you were saying with the Night, night oh, yeah. and Flamebird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some uh, little bit of world building there. It, it, when, when, I know that was Jimmy when there was, was that pre Dick Grayson Nightwing on Earth? Did, like, or did one beget the other, or was it a coincidence? Well, yeah, eventually when, uh, when Dick Grayson gave up the Robin identity and he wanted to adopt a whole nother identity in pre in pre-crisis continuity. He took the name Nightwing specifically because of Nightwing from Nightwing and Flamebird. Okay. And I've, I've always been at a loss as to how that worked post-crisis. I don't remember what the inspiration turned out to be. Somebody told me this recently and now I've forgotten it already. Yeah. It's I guess they retconned it back and forth several times. So, but yeah, I, I always thought that was kind of neat that that Superman, you know, actually inspired that you know that Nightwing, you know, Dick right. Grayson's Nightwing identity. I, I think that's very fitting somehow. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me right back here next week when who knows what mystery guest host will be popping by. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, and criticisms for the show via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of thecomicforums.com. We are now accepting requests for guest host spots on the show, so if you'd like to join me in an episode, let me know. Also, please be sure to check out the home website for Back to the Bins at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you can find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcast.com. Take a moment to drop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and I'll see you next week.
Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com.